Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, February the 26th, 2024. It is currently 1021 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where we have some unfinished business. Now, I know it's not completely uncommon in the history of this podcast for me to sometimes not finish everything that I have started, but I try my very best, at least with smaller things, right? Like if I start a sermon review, typically we finish that. If I'm doing somewhat of a mini series, typically I finish that. Sometimes I'll start a series and then it will become like, okay, so where do I take this? How long? And then sometimes based off feedback, I may kind of stop. And I I don't like to do that, but sometimes it happens. But I feel tonight we have to finish what we started. Now, I think I wrapped up the last live broadcast in such a way that I didn't technically have to come back and do a part two because I didn't even label the first one as a part one. I did go back and change the title once I realized I was going to do a part two, but I kind of left it as, hey, we're doing the Sermons 2.0 app challenge, and there's this sermon series currently happening on the Sermons 2.0 app called Sherathon 2024. Sherathon 2024. So I told you to go listen and I reviewed just a little bit of it. So I could have been like, hey, you know what? That's great. I got everyone. I pointed to something. I accomplished something. I, I reminded people of the, the uh, Sermons 2.0 app challenge. I pointed them to something to listen to. There's multiple sermons there. So I did my job. But at the same time, I don't feel like I really did my job because I think I started raising some questions as it relates to money and ministry. Now, if you remember what a share-a-thon is, let me, let's at least go back to that. A share-a-thon. Most of you are familiar with them, but just so that we have a kind of a technical working definition, a share-a-thon is an event typically held by radio stations or ministries to raise support, to raise money to support their operations. During a share-a-thon, listeners are encouraged to donate money to the station or ministry to help cover expenses such as operating costs, equipment upgrades, and program production. The name Sherathon comes from a combination of share and marathon, emphasizing the idea of sharing resources and running a fundraising campaign over an extended period of time. These events often involve on-air fundraising, appeals, testimonies from supporters, special programming, and challenges to encourage donations. Listeners are invited to call in, go online, or mail in their donations during the Sherathon to contribute to the financial needs of the Christian radio station or ministry. Now, I, I, I made it very clear in the first part, in part one, that I'm very familiar with share as they relate to Christian radio, right? Because if, if you listen to Christian radio station for any length of time, you know, they typically do about, at, at a minimum of one share a year. In some cases, they do two share a year. And they'll take three, four, five days, and basically from like six in the morning, maybe seven in the morning till seven at night, it's just... A lot of their original programming is interrupted and they'll have three, four, five people 
in the studio and they'll have people calling in talk, and they'll read testimonies about the ministry and all the things that the radio station has accomplished. And, and then they, they, they give challenges and have you raise money and, and try to bring, you know, for you to give in donations so that they can raise money so that they can kind of plan out their budget for the next six months or for the next year. And so it becomes critical. What I am not familiar with and what, which, what led to the broadcast or one of the things that led to the broadcast was when I was looking on the Sermons 2.0 app and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a webcast going on called Shareathon 2024. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen a church do a Shareathon because the video seems to show someone standing behind a pulpit. So are they raising money for the church? Are they raising money for a, a project? What are they doing? And I've never seen, I've never, I mean, I've called, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a church service called a Sherathon. I've called it maybe, I don't know, a church service where they're doing a series of sermons on stewardship. Like the whole thing caught me a little off guard. So I said, I'm going to watch this. Now, the reason I was going to watch it is because of my current circumstances where I'm dealing with a church, finances, uh, more money's going out than coming in. If that church goes away, what happens to this podcast? Can I get people to give to this podcast? What's the right way to do this? What's the wrong way to do this? And just start, you know, having lots of questions. I'm like, well, if here's a church doing a, a share well, let me see what they're doing. Not to criticize, not to critique, not even really to, to review, but more to go, hey, I'm going to listen to this because I'm curious of what they are doing and why they're doing it. So let's tune in together. So that's what we did. We reviewed just a little bit. And I raised a question. When it comes to ministries and money, when it comes to churches and money and how they raise money. Now, I know in many cases, churches do all kinds of things. And for the most part, people seem okay with it. Right. I've seen churches do, you know, uh, basically a garage sale and nobody has problems. I've seen where they have the youth doing car washes or, or they're selling calendars or selling candy bars to raise money supposedly for church camp or, or for our mission trip or whatever. And for the most part, people seem to think that this is a good thing. And I'm always like, is that really the biblical way to raise money? Selling things? Is that, is that really the right way or the wrong way? Like, I don't know. Now, to be fair and full transparency is I've spent, you know, 20, almost 24 years in ministry and my church never had one business meeting and we've never taken an offering other than a few times just to kind of show kids what it looks like in a church to take an offering for that part. We were no business meetings and no take, passing an offering plate. And we never had one issue with money until just recently. And now everything is changing and we don't know. There's a lot of questions now, right? So I, so to be fair, I've never had to be, I've never faced some of the situations that many churches do where they're struggling with money. And remember, you can have all of your theoretical principles where you can sit high and lofty and go, I don't know why everyone's doing that. And then all of a sudden, when your situation changes, you're kind of like, well, you know, Okay, I wonder what we can do that would be seeming biblically or biblical and ethical. Like, what can we do? Okay, I, okay, I don't think selling drugs is on. I don't think that. I don't think we're able to do that. I, I wonder. I wonder what we could do. Like, and, and, and I'm okay. That's a little bit of hyperbole. But the point is, when you find yourself in that situation, well, then you start asking these questions. So I was curious about a shareathon. So in part one, I raised the question. When it comes to churches and money, 
Do we believe the regulative or normative principle applies to how a church raises money? Now, some people take the regulative and normative principle and only apply apply it to worship. But I've often thought that we should apply the regulative normative principle to basically everything the church does. Now, if it's the regulative principle, the church would be greatly restricted in what it could or couldn't do to earn, to bring in money or to raise money. And if it's normative, they have a far, they have far greater number of options. Let me just remind you briefly of the regulative and normative principle. The regulative principle of worship, and again, it's typically attached to worship, but I'm going to say the regulative principle of church holds that only elements explicitly commanded or authorized in scripture should be practiced. Now they're going to, they word all of that in relation to worship, but I'm just going to look at the regulative principle. So in that case, the only thing when it comes to raising money in a church, all you could do is explicitly what is commanded or authorized in scripture. Maybe there would be a, a clear example or a clear command, but unless you've got something clearly there in scripture, you can not do it. All right. The principle is often associated with Reformed and Presbyterian traditions, emphasizing the importance of following biblicals, the Bible's explicit instructions. The focus is on doing what is specifically commanded by Scripture and avoiding practices that are not explicitly sanctioned. You need it to be explicitly commanded, explicitly sanctioned. So if you're like, hey, man, we've got to come up with some money. You can only do what's explicitly sanctioned if you're following the the regulative principle. Now, the normative principle of worship allows for elements that are not explicitly forbidden in Scripture, expanding the range of acceptable practices beyond what is explicitly commanded. So, in other words, in the normative, all you're looking at is, is there a specific command against it? Is there a specific condemnation against it? Unless it's explicitly condemned. Unless it's explicitly prohibited, you're, it's a free-for-all. And so unless you can say, no, this scripture clearly condemns it. Not just if a scripture says, here's a way to do it. Well, but yeah, but is this practice condemned? So the normative sometimes can look like a free-for-all. Now, what I always get frustrated with churches is they'll see, they'll see some church doing something and then everyone will condemn it. How dare the church d- does that? That's crazy. I can't believe they're a circus. They're a joke. And then you'll say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Look what your church is doing. Where is that in scripture? Where's your, where's the potluck mill? Because the, the, the time that the, a mill was added to a church in the church of Corinth, Paul told them, don't you have homes to eat in? Don't you have homes to go to? The church is where you come to feed upon God's word. The church is where you come for the Lord's Supper, not to stuff your face. Wait, you have a church picnic? Wait, you do this? You do that? You may be condemning that church because, I don't know, they played an ACDC song and you're like, how dare they, right? And But you doing all kinds of things that are not explicitly commanded in scripture. So you're kind of using a modified regulative principle and you and what you're kind of do you, you you use the regulative principle to condemn others while not truly following it yourself and then you'll have some people who use the normative principle all the time and then they'll look at another church going wait that's that's a bridge too far you've crossed the line I, come on i think i think there's a lot of inconsistency so when it comes to money 
Is it regulative or normative? And then here's a question. Is regulative and normative only apply? Does it only apply to churches? If you have a theological podcast, does the regulative or normative principle control what you do as far as fundraising as a podcaster? Like it's a podcast, it's not a church. Now, if the podcast is associated with the church, well, then would the regulative principle also cover what the podcast is doing? Like that's, that's where sometimes you have a lot of questions. But regulative or normative? Now, the, uh, the normative principle is more common in Lutheran and Anglican traditions where there is flexibility in adding elements to worship that are not expressly mandated. The focus is on incorporating practices that are not prohibited by Scripture as long as they're edifying and consistent with the overall principles of Christian worship. But see, that's even trying to modify the normative. Typically, what I see in the normative, hey, it's not condemned, we can do it. Now, both principles aim to guide and regulate the practice in Christian communities. They both seek to honor God and worship and uphold the authority of Scripture in determining how certain things should be done. The regulative principle is more restrictive, allowing only what is explicitly commanded in Scripture, while the normative is more permissive, allowing practices that are not explicitly forbidden. So, regulative or normative when it comes to money. Now, this sermon series, this thing that is happening on the Sermons 2.0 app, and I still want you to look it up, share 2024, download all of the messages, listen to all of them, see what they're doing. It's not so that we can condemn it. It's not that we can criticize it. One, I want you, well, it's part of our Sermons 2.0 app challenge. So you're listening to things on the app. Remember, you're trying to listen to one message a day and you're supposed to have a notebook. All right. So we're accomplishing that. But another thing, you're just hearing, maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe, maybe your church has done something like that. To me, I've not, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this, or at least I, I don't think I have, or maybe I've seen something similar, but it wasn't called a share I don't know, but I think it will be interesting to listen. And as you're listening, you can go, are they using regulative or normative? Or are they using a little both? Or how, how should this work? Now, they're they're calling it a share-a-thon, and they've made at least the word share into kind of an, an acrostic. They uh, S stands for salvation, H stands for help, A stands for assurance. We uh, so we didn't get to the R and the E. We're going to back up to I think the H, and then just kind of let it play out, and we'll in, we'll interject. So right now he's just made hey. Sherathon is about salvation, and then it's about help. And that help is, well, helping the church or helping, I'm assuming the church. He has not specified exactly who they're helping, but I'm assuming the church and bringing in the money. And he's going to talk about a barrel, and then people started throwing money into the barrel. Yeah, you're going to hear all about it if you missed part one. If you if you heard part one, this will be a quick review. Here we go. Sherathon time is also a time of help. The Bible declares in Hebrews chapter number 4 and in verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that word help means to undergird in time of a storm. It carries with it the idea of frapping a ship. Anybody remember the night we got Rudy's meal barrel up here? He asked me, he said, uh, he said, you got a barrel? 
I said, I believe we do. He said, can you bring it up here to the service? I need a barrel. And I said, yeah, we'll, I'll get you a barrel. It seemed like it was one of those pasteboard barrels. Anybody remember the barrel? Wasn't it one of those pasteboard barrels that's with a metal rim on it? Now, here's a question. If you're using regulative or normative. Now, if you're using normative, I don't think there's any way you, 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 you would be against someone bringing in all kinds of objects for an illustration. Barrel, eggs, you can use eggs, chickens, horses. You could, I mean, you basically could do anything, right? Because there's nothing that specifically condemns the use of objects for illustrations, right? Now, in the regulative, now, I, I do, do we have a clear command to use objects? Now, you could say, well, Jesus used things in his parables, but can we apply that? And did, did he kind of just spoke of them? Did he always pull out, you know, hey, you know, here's soil, you know, here's rock, here's here's this. I, I think he he mentions them, but does he actually, I, I don't think he actually brings them with him, right? So in the regulative principle, like what can you do on the platform or on the stage or whatever you want to call it, right? Do you, do, like if you want to bring a barrel, if you want to bring egg crates, if you want to bring eggs, if you want to bring, can you do that? See, these are questions that I, I think the average Christian sitting in the pew, they never bother. I don't think they, they even really know much about the regulative or normative principle. And it would be interesting. I would challenge everyone who goes to church, hey, do we use the regulative or normative? Once your church commits to which one they use, then you just sit back and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not the regulative principle. We do this and this and this. And all, well, no, it doesn't. And then what you're going to get? Well, it doesn't apply. The regulative principle doesn't apply to that or that or that or that. So then they're saying that what they're going to do is we use the regulative, but the regulative only regulates this very small area. Everything else, it's a free for all. Now, but then they, but then you say, oh, it's a free for all. Well, can we do this? Well, no, we can't do that. Well, wait a minute. So th see, that's where it gets always really weird. We use the regulative, then they will limit what the regulative actually regulates. Then they will bring in other things. But then if you throw out some crazy idea, they'll be like, no, 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 no. You're like, well, wait a minute. What Now, what principle are we using to say that this is not appropriate? And it sometimes gets really weird when you watch churches and how they navigate, because I've seen churches do all kinds of stuff, but, but, but they will, they, I've seen churches do all kinds of things, yet they would condemn the seeker sensitive churches because they're a circus and look at the uh, ungodly things they do. And I'm like, and what are we doing? Well, well, what is this? A church picnic? Where is that in scripture? Like, like, uh, this and this and this. And, and you're like, none of that, but, but they'll say, that's different. That's, and I don't, I don't know. So, what can like he bring he, he brought him in a barrel he needed a barrel now if you bring a barrel up on the platform is it a violation of the regulative is it a violation or is it okay well let's see what happens with the barrel what it looked like and we put it over here and we got the, we was joking about eggs and laying eggs and i don't want also there's egg cartons all over the place but that was a joke i think he had told it somebody had told it said uh Preacher was put out of the church and didn't know how they was going to make a living. And his wife said, well, honey, come in here. And she went in and the whole closet's full of money. And uh, said, uh, well, 
honey, where'd we get all this money? He said, well, every time you laid an egg in the pulpit, I'd, when I got a dozen, I'd sell them and said, this is the money I got off of them. And so he told that joke. So we brought all these egg cartons and decorated the place with. But he got to running around here and hollering in that mill bar. He'd stick his head down in that thing and holler. Remember that? Remember when he would stick his head down in the mill barrel? And people got to throwing money in the mill barrel. Now, so he's running around. He's putting his head in the barrel, obviously to illustrate something. And then people start throwing money into the barrel. Regulative or normative? Clearly, I don't think that's regulative in any way, shape, or form. Clearly, they're operating under the normative. That's, that, that's the only way I could see it. But I guarantee you, most likely, this church would condemn other churches that are utilizing the normative. That's where it always gets iffy to me. So having a barrel, run around it, put your head down in it, yell in it, and then people just start tossing money into it. All a part of a share Is that, is that, I'm, I, look, I'm not condemning it. I'm just asking what regulates what we do. And is that, is that a, is that the way we're supposed to, I guess someone could just say, well, it's like a big offering basket and it's perfectly okay. Maybe so. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. And how often should you pass the offering plate? Can you pass an offering plate on a Wednesday? Some would point to that the Corinthians, uh, Corinthians seems to imply that they took, they took the collection on the first day of the week, meaning the collection can only be taken on a Sunday, cannot be taken any other time. If, if some who hold to a strict regulative principle. Remember that? And we were behind. And it had been a tough share but I'm going to tell you something. Rudy's Mill Barrel, God just overruled that thing. And it changed the whole direction of that thing. And uh, God just overruled, can I tell you, grace to help in time of need. We've seen grace to help many, many times. We've seen God do that. Uh, when, when, when Katie was little, uh, she had RSV and she was in intensive care. And uh, I couldn't even go over there. They wouldn't let me in the hospital. We had to carry on here. But you know the Lord had that fixed too because that was the most prayed for youngin' in three counties because everybody, everybody at Sherathon is praying for Katie. And she's over there by herself in intensive care with Katie. But God gave us grace to carry on. God gave us grace to keep on. And uh, grace to help in time of need. And then... What is Sherathon, preacher? Well, we're making an acrostic. Sherathon, not only a, a time of salvation and a time of help, but under the letter A, Sherathon is a time of assurance. And uh, I thought about what the Scripture says uh, in Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 9, but I'll read uh, verse First John five thirteen. that's on the screen. These things... I have written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. But can I tell you that that's assurance of salvation, but there's also assurance of the will of God. There's also that thing, assurance of the will of God. And just a couple of comments that I did not make in part one. When I, I, I always, again, the way Christians talk, we have a language we use. And sometimes I don't know if we ever understand the language sometimes seems, I think, confounding or confusing 
are just weird to anyone looking from the outside. Hey, this little girl had RSV. Hey, but God had that in control. Well, wait a minute. If God had it in control, why did she get RSV? So God had it in control. So he let her get RSV so that people would pray. So then he would do something like sometimes it just, it's always so, Hey, Hey, God's got this under control. Well, if he had it under control, then why did they get cancer? If God had it under control, then why did they get by a drunk driver? If, if God has it under control, why were they shot three times? Right? So, but I, I'm not denying God doesn't have it in control. But sometimes we think he has it in control if the person goes to the hospital and they come out of the hospital. But does God have it in control? Like, it's, we we have a way of talking about these things that sometimes it's so weird. It's like, you know, okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Like, hey, you know, God's going to fix this situation. Well, God's the one who let the situation happen. Hey, we need to pray. We're going to pray to the one who let the situation happen? Like, like sometimes nobody ever stops to think. I know, I know I ask the t- these questions and it always makes Christians mad, but it's not about being, it's, it's about us dealing with theological realities that sometimes are uncomfortable, right? And now he's getting ready to talk about God's will. Now, remember, if you want assurance of God's will, God's will is not determined by a feeling, by an emotion, by some internal voice. God's will is determined by what is revealed. In his word. You say, well, what about those things that are not revealed in his word? You can use biblical principles to apply to your decision of what you have to do. And then you can use reason, logic, research, well thought out. You can, you can use that brain which you gave, which God gave you. But if you're going to try to utilize some voice or some feeling, you're, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to be so misled. You can't trust your emotions and feelings and trying to listen to in a still small voice inside of you. Listen to God. God has, God reveals himself through his word and his word alone today. The other ways of revealing ended when the perfect has come. And I believe that's the word of God. All right. Let's continue. And I find the word again in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, verse number 19. Uh, actually, verse number, verse number 10, rather. And after he had seen the vision, the Macedonian vision, the Bible says immediately we, after he had seen the vision, Paul, immediately we, Paul and Luke, endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel Amen. unto them. I've read to you before the, before the sermon, I read to you a list of, of men that God did works in their heart during Sherathon. I, I won't say that all of them got in during Sherathon, but they, some of them did. I know for a fact they did. One of them was standing right over there. I know. I know for a fact it was. And I, I, can, I can tell you where people were in the building, not just that it happened. I can tell you where they were when it happened. Okay, I know exactly where it was. And right over here, I know, I, hey, I, I, I had one boy wallow me to the point. I called Stephen or somebody. I said, get over here and help me. And I, he, said, he said, what's the matter? He, I said, my knees are killing me. I done told this boy everything I know and a few things I ain't right certain of. And I got to have some relief. My back's killing me. Get in here and pray with him. He has wallowed me all over that altar. It was wet. From side to side, getting slippery. I mean, it was just terrible. And I said, get over here and help me. I'm, I'm, I'm a dying. Get this boy some relief. Boy, when he come off of my boy, you talk about relief. Woo. 
He had some relief. It was dozens have announced their call. I don't think I can, I don't think that's exaggerating to say that. Doug Baker come down that aisle, remember that? Right here, right here. I saw him coming. I didn't have to ask why he's coming. I knew why he's coming. I've been knowing why he's coming. He just didn't know why he's coming. <laughs> I knew. When he come, I did. I just stepped back. I knew exactly what he's doing. And, uh, of course, he's pastor now out west. First time that we had the Aegis in here. Brother Aegis told it all over the country. Well, you see, this is how we got started. We were at this little church in the mountains at a thing called Sherathon. And God moved in such a way. I went home and resigned my job. And we set out in an old van by faith to minister and sing the gospel. So what do you tell you? And they're one of the most used groups in the southeast, folks. Their repertoire takes them plumbing down into Indiana. They're, they're plumb up into Michigan. They're all the way down. I mean, they're, they're covering the whole eastern seaboard. And I'm, not, and I'm not bragging on the flesh. I'm just telling you. God did that. And he did it right here. God did that right here. Speaking of right here. All right, let's just speak of right here. Right over there. About where Brother Smith's sitting. Right over there. Missionary, he was, he was discouraged. He was downhearted. We were in full construction. Rudy said, can I bring a missionary's motor home and up, hook it up? I said, brother, I ain't got nowhere to hook to. He said, brother, he's discouraged. I need to bring him. Could you, could you hook him to something? I said, well, I hook him to the wellhead. I said, I can do that. But I said, but it's a mess down there, man. It's mud and rain. It's just, and he said, well, if you would, I'd appreciate it. I said, I'd bring him on. He come in here and sat over there. And he just sat over there. And different ones talked to him. And they got him up and he said, I'd like to put a Bible in every, every house in every village north of the Arctic Circle in the state of Alaska. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet you would. And I saw Brother Bain get up and go over there. And then in a minute, I saw Brother Harlan get up and go over there. Then in a minute, I saw Brother Whittemore get up and go over there. And then in a minute, I saw Brother Robert Jones get up and go over there. And then in a minute, I saw David, David Youngblood get up and go over there. And I thought, oh, Lord, we're in trouble. Operation Saturation started right over there. It took us six years flying into Eskimo villages. But by the grace of the good Lord of heaven... We put a Bible with the Arctic lights, with the, with the uh, northern lights on it, in the hands of at least one Bible per home in every home north of the Arctic Circle. And we put a soul-winning DVD and a coloring book with a pack of crayons. And if they wouldn't come to the door, we hung it on the door of every home north of the Arctic Circle in six years. How many went to Alaska during that time? You're here. Now, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's how it works. When, 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 when the people support something and come together, 
you can accomplish something like that. That's amazing. If they put a Bible, at least one Bible per home, I don't know how, how big an area they're referring to, how many homes that is. I don't know the numbers, but that's amazing. But you can't accomplish something unless the people support it. That's, that's just the way, that's how anything works in, in ministry. It's, it's, in some ways, I hate that, but that's the way it is. Hey, we want to accomplish this. All right, got to have money. Got to have money. So I'm assuming those people went over there to say, let's support this. Let's do this. And then people from the church actually flew over there to assist in doing it. That's that's commitment. That's sacrifice. That's getting something done. That's the only way things work in ministry. Anyone can come up with great ideas. Great ideas. Don't go anywhere, unfortunately, without support. How many went? Anybody else that went? Larry and Isaac went. There's a whole gang that went. But a lot of them are not here tonight. But a lot of people went multiple times. And then some went and didn't come back, David Youngblood. <laughs> some went and didn't come back, uh, uh, Brother Smith. I mean, Kevin Smith. I mean, uh, some went and didn't come back, Brother Seavers. Uh, hello? They went up. They come back long enough to get deputation, and they went back. Isn't that something? Cost me my school teacher, cost me, I mean, it's just, it's kept leaving, you know. Hallelujah. A time of assurance, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Well, under the letter R, Sherathon has been in times past a time of revival. Uh, Romans, uh, Psalm 85, 6, rather, the Bible says, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? It was a Friday morning. We were, I don't know, we, we, it wasn't bad, but we were far from the goal. We were over in the old trailer. It would have been, been in the early 90s. I don't. This is interesting because he mentions a couple of times we were down, we were not meeting. So they obviously have financial goals to meet and share a thon. But while they're trying to meet the financial goals, they seem to also be trying to accomplish these other things. Salvation, help. I think the help is the financial goal. Assurance. Now, we could get into a discussion theologically. I probably would not be in agreement with the way they think assurance is determined, but okay. And then revival. So it's kind of interesting. They're mixing all of this together. It sounds like in some ways this is very much like a revival service, but it's an emphasize. So I, they're emphasizing these other things in the way he's doing the acrostic. But it sounds like there's clearly the money part of it as well. So I don't know if he will transition to more explaining what, is he going to tell them what the goal is this year? I don't know. Let's keep listening. I don't remember exactly. We were in the live studio on the old, old double wide trailer. Had a little hallway with windows where you could look in. And uh, Gary, it was brother Jerry Mundy got up. Now, wait a minute, a studio. So is this a radio station? Is this like, is this a radio station attached to a church? And this is an attempt to raise money for the radio station. Okay, I said, I'm, I told you I was fascinated by this whole thing. I'm fa- I don't know how this works. Because now when you're talking about a studio and when, that's, that's a radio station, a live studio. That's a, unless it's a television station, I'm assuming it's a radio station. So is this a share for a radio station that's attached to a church? So they use the share to bring money for the station, not for the church. 
Well, then, if you're bringing it for the station, well, then, would the regulative or normative principle even apply? With his guitar. And he said, I was with a, in a meeting in West Virginia last week with a fellow by the name of Gary Duty. And I heard him sing this, that it's not yet been recorded, but I want to sing this for you. And he cut out on, Lord, here's my basket. I give it to you. I don't really remember a lot past that. It was so bad that there's a wet spot in the carpet where I was laying. And it seemed like just a second had passed. And I looked up, and Joe had turned school out. He had brought the whole academy. I don't even know how he got them over. He brought the whole school, and they were standing looking in all the way around the windows. And... One of the boys had raised a beef. Isn't that right? He had raised a calf, didn't he? Is that right? Was it a 4-H calf or, or just a calf? He raised a calf. And he said, I won't give this calf. Well, our son, he was going to the wilds for competition, and he had been saving for some carbon fiber arrows. I never will forget it. And to shoot with. And the wilds are just coming up. And he come in and, and he come to me and he said, Daddy, he said, I want to see us get this gold more than I want them arrows. I said, here's my arrow money. We started sharing that. You ain't never seen anything quite like that one. I mean, it was a spirit of revival to the point that where just stand back and watch God. Now, that's interesting because he's connecting revival. Now, this gets into a whole theological issue and how you define revival. So, if everyone gets convicted and everyone starts just, hey, I'm giving up my calf, I'm giving up my money for my arrows, and you got young people just giving all of this money, is that a sign of revival? So, if I go preach a sermon on... Sunday at my church and everyone's like, hey, I'm going to sell a cow or I'm going to sell a car and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and we're going to give all this money to the church. And then the church is like, well, now we've got an excess of money. We're good to go. The podcast is good. The church is good. My mortgage is taken care of because everyone just got convicted and they sacrificed greatly and poured money into the church. Is that a sign of revival? On one hand, you may want to say yes, because that's the people sacrificing for the work of God. You could. No, you could say maybe that's human emotions being played. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's not revival. I'm not going to say it is revival, because I think sometimes there are human human emotions and human actions that I think sometimes can be confused as revival, but it's just emotions but then isn't revival connected to emotions well then we could get into a discussion let's listen to a little more there's one fella come running in the door this is back when money was worth something okay anybody remember that 
You remember when money was money? He come running in with, a, I believe it was $1,000. Screaming like you'd stuck him with a knife. Throwed it down. Jumped back a screaming and run out the door fast as he'd run in. We ain't seen him since. He didn't leave his name. He didn't leave his address. He didn't tell us nothing about it. He come in a screaming and left a screaming. I don't know if he's screaming because he didn't want to turn loose of it and sad because he did. I don't know what he, but I know this. Hey, just, just, I mean, I just make, okay, I don't want to make light of that. Okay. That sounds crazy, but let me just say, if you need to, you know, if you need to donate a thousand dollars to this ministry, you can send me an audio file of you screaming and then you can go to theologycentral.net and hit the donate tab or you can hit the give tab on the church one app or the sermons 2.0 app. Right. And you can send me an audio file of you screaming. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. But is that a sign of revival that someone come running through the door, scream through that, through that, through that, threw down a thousand dollars and ran out is that a sign of revival you talk about god turning something upside down it flipped plum upside down to the point people forgot about eating they forgot about they forgot about fundraising why wow, we forgot we was on the radio it's sherathon Okay, this this has got to be connected to a radio station. So this has got to be connected to a radio station, but they're doing something in conjunction with the radio station in the church. So I'm assuming there's two elements here. There's two elements here that I that we we may want to put together. We may want to put together because yeah, I'm assuming the radio station airs on the internet. So maybe, maybe then we could put the two concepts together and see how they're working. So I, I don't think this, then this is money going to the church. This is money going to the radio station, which may be a ministry of the church. But then, so then, well, then where, yeah. Then you could argue, should the church be used to raise money for, a, a, yeah. I, I don't know if the regulative or normative would even apply here. We forgot we were on the radio. I, it didn't even dawn on me that we was on the radio. The presence of God was surreal. My soul. And I found myself as a little boy. I was always, they didn't know for years that I have real bad stigmatism. And the eye, my eyes were quite different as far as the prescriptions. So with that, I could not judge distance. Still can't. And because of that, I'd go out to field the ball and it popped me right in the forehead. Because as far as I thought, it was still up under and it's coming at me. And I, don't, I didn't even put my glove up. I'd get ready to put my glove up and pow, it beamed me. So I was a terrible ball player. And they wouldn't ever pick me because I couldn't, couldn't catch a ball. And so it was me and usually the, the heavyweight boy. We're the last ones. And you hated to be last. When doing this picking teams, you hated to be last because they'd say, come on. You know. And I didn't want them to pick the fat boy over me, you know. And I just, I, and I go, uh, pick me, pick me, pick me, please pick me. But I've been last before. I found myself as a little boy laying on that floor.
And I found myself, Lord, here's my basket. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Lord, it ain't much, but if you can take it and use it, Lord, here it is. You got it all, afresh and anew, Lord, it's yours. Lord, here's my basket. A time of revival, a time of exhortation. That's and that's that. I mean, that's a that's again a more of a theological question when it comes to giving. Now he's using the illustration of giving the basket. Here is here's everything. Do you give everything? Or do you give everything? theoretically or do you give everything practically if everyone gave everything practically then you're kind of going back to an axe everyone sold all of their possessions and they had everything in common okay well nobody does that right so then are you saying you're willing to give everything so if there's a need you'll you'll sacrifice even more is that is that the way it's supposed to work when it comes to money possessions giving revival spirituality following scripture, where is that balance? Because at the same time, you got to pay your bills. Same times you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to do that. So like, where, where does that work? Like, like do, do you, because if you imply, if you imply that, re, that you're revived, if you're giving more, if you imply that you're more spiritual, if you give more, then is that a form of spiritual manipulation? I'm not saying that that's what they're doing. I'm asking a theoretical, I'm asking a theological question. I was looking to see what verse is on the screen with that. Hebrews 3.10. Uh, 3, 3, yeah, 3.10. Wherefore I was grieved. Well, I guess that's not the right that verse I'm looking for. But uh, yeah. So, but let me give you the verse down from that. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. And before that it says an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. Exhorting one another. I've still got it down there in the showcase. When Brother Seton got up here and broke the plate. And he talked about how it is a, they would take gold and they would melt gold and would use it to put the plate back together. And it was considered, I forgot what it's called, but it was considered a, a, a special, special, it was way more valuable broken than it was intact. And they, at the end of the service, he presented me with that broken plate, with that gold paint around the edges where he glued it back together. I needed that exhortation. Little did I realize the breaking was going to be extensive had no idea at the time how deep it would go and how long it would last a time of exhortation a time to examine our attitudes this is one of my favorite stories through a series of events Dean Shook had heard second hand that uh, we were crooks and had taken all the money for a camp meeting and so he had told that all over the country 
And we were coming up, he was coming up 26 in his old big Cadillac Brougham. And he had one of them bag phones, and he pulled, so you can give you the kind by the timing of that, that old, old bag phone, and he pulled off the side of the interstate, and he called. And, and you know, people always want to talk to me, and they'd always say, I'm sorry, he's in Sheriff, and he can't talk. He wouldn't quit. He said, no, I have to talk to him. I have to talk to him. I have to talk to him. And they said, well, he'll call you back. No, I'll wait. So they come got me. They said, this guy won't stop. And he said, you probably don't know me. His name's Dean Shook. And I said, are you Brother Shook's son down at Pickens? He said, yes, sir. I said, yeah, I remember you coming to Rosman Tent Meet one time. We did meet. And he was crying. He said, preacher, I've run you down like a dog all over this country. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure I deserved it. He said, no, you didn't. I said, well, how do you know? He said, because the Holy Ghost couldn't be doing what he's doing right now through this radio in my car. And God done showed me. And I said, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then he gave me a little more details. I said, well, I, got, I can show you. I'll tell you how. He said, you ain't got to show me. I said, the Holy Ghost done showed me. And he said, I, w- I want to apologize to you. He said, I won't be able to preach a lick tonight. And I said, and another brother? I said, well, I want to meet with you. They come to my house. As a matter of fact, we were building the A-frame. And he said, I do siding and I do work. And I've got another preacher friend that helps me. He said, we can help you get this thing up. And I said, well, come on. Well, he went to working for me. We became friends. And he started traveling, doing charathons with me. Dean, we went all the way to Missouri more than once, doing charathons out there, me and him and Stanley. Okay, now, of course, the, some of that sounds, you know, almost like extra biblical revelation, but okay. So wait, they go around the country doing charathons? So I, I'm really, I'm perplexed by exactly how this, I'm telling you, this is all new to me, right? So you go to different places. So do you go to different places to do share to raise money for the radio station? So like, hey, we're going to go to this church to do a share which is kind of like a revival service, but the ultimate goal is to bring money into the radio station. Or are you going around to do share to bring money to the church? This is, this is, again, this is all new to me. I'm, I'm trying to understand it. Uh, we did the first one ever at, in Greenville, the first one at WTBI in 1996. It was me and Dean Shook. Oh, if it's radio, I bet you I understand. So t- like a lot of times you'll have like one major radio station and then you'll have these like transmitters, right? So you'll like you have this radio station, but it can also be heard in this county or this county or this county. So you have basically one radio station sending up like say the, the, the main feed and then the transmitters can pull down that feed from the satellites. So you can put up, you know, a transmitter here, a transmitter here, because I, I uh, here in Abilene, I, I remember this, you know, just my involvement with radio here or there. So you have like uh, 88.1 KGNZ, but then, or trans, I think they call it uh, not necessarily a transmitter. I think it's called a translator, but uh, they, they'll, they'll have them in other areas. And so it'll be broadcasting here. It'll be the station here, but then you can pick it up in these other towns, but it costs money to have that there. You have, to, it costs money to have that there. So then you would go to those towns and say, Hey, if you like the radio, this radio station, well, then guess what? 
we need money to do so. Now, I think some of that would be a little outdated. So he must be telling stories from the past because now most radio stations are broadcasting on the internet. So why do I need to pay money for you to have a tower here where you're transmitting from or, or taking the feed from and then sending it out when I can just listen to you on the internet? So this must have been a day. So, you know, because I mean, I mean, I mean, I, you would think that's a kind of an outdated uh, idea. But so they went around doing charathons. I'm assuming in churches to raise money for the the transmitter there. I, I'm assuming that's kind of how it worked. But he didn't live to do the second one. Not only were we friends, he asked me to preach his funeral and asked me to be the lead pallbearer at his funeral. I preached his funeral and I carried the casket. And I led in the in the in the flag ceremony and we from that we we were close we were close friends. Close friends. What I'm saying is a time to examine our attitudes. Sheriff on time. Time of testimony. John 15. We'll stop there. Um, what I would challenge you, so share, it seems to be S is salvation, H is for help, A is for assurance, R is for revival, E is for uh, exhortation, examination, and then it looks like T is for testimony. All right, so... Um, I, I guess that's 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 how they they're going through this sharethon, uh, and I guess the A is not going to be used in the acrostic. I, I, I'm fo- trying to follow the best of my ability. So it, so this is just interesting because this is broadcasting. I don't know how many hours they're going to broadcast or how many days, but they're broadcasting their sharethon on the Sermons 2.0 app. I, I I I'm I mean I'm fascinated by it. I've never seen anything like this, but it makes sense that a radio station. We'd be doing a share What caught me off guard is that this looks like it's being preached in a church, right? So then like how, but I'm assuming the radio station is connected to the church is what it sounds like. So then I guess that makes some, some sense. I, I guess, I, I guess that makes some sense. So, um, and, and yeah, well, there you have it. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you want to, you, you can draw your own conclusions about how you think that works. And, and it just says a lot about how church ministries and, and all the things connected to a church ministry, how money should be raised, shouldn't be raised. What is the right way? What is the ethical way? There, it raises lots of questions. I'm not in no way even criticizing them. I'm just using it more to have this bigger theological discussion. Like I was trying to use regulative normative principle, but that to me is more for the church. But if this is the church doing it to raise the money for the station, then it, does, does the regulative normative principle come into play? Or is it just kind of like you can do whatever you want, you know, and then the people will either give or they don't want to give. How do you, how do you work that? And, 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 but I, this is like there, I guess this is, was the beginning message. There are, I don't know how many total messages are currently available, but you should look up Sherathon 2024 in the Sermons 2.0 app. And just start listening to uh, listen to a number of them. You, if if you're behind on the sermons 2.0 app challenge, this is a good way to catch up. Just listen to four or five of them. All right, six of them. I don't even know how many there are. In fact, do do, do you want me to look? My iPad is about to uh, die here. 
All right, hang on. Let me let me look. I'm just going to pull up the uh, Sermons 2.0 app. I'm just going to do. I'm going to type in share. I'm just going to type in share. I put share space capital A. And that's not going to help me. <laughs> I better put the little dash. Okay, share. Uh, hang on. Thon. This has got to work. That is not, hang on. It's not helping me here. I got to, I'm obviously typing it the wrong way. It's not showing up that way. Oh no, there it is. There it is. They finally show it. To me, you know what the easiest way to look for it? A-N-C-O-R. And A N C H O R. Well, that hang on, filter. That's not helping me either. Hang on, let me go back to I'm trying to find a, an easy way for you to find this, and I'm obviously having. Great technical difficulty, probably because I'm trying to do this while I'm live on the air, and I just messed that completely up. All right, here we go. There, there, there's Sherathon. Okay, Sherathon. Then you have to hit see all. Then you find it. Let's see where where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Here they are. Okay, this is going to start playing. Okay, hang on. All right, there we go. Anchor Baptist, yeah, A-N-C-H-O-R. I don't know why it wasn't showing up when I was doing a search for Anchor. A-N-C-H-O-R, Anchor Baptist Church. They, they only have eight sermons, so they must be new. So they they must be new broadcaster. All right, so yeah, so the first sermon they ever posted was Kadesh Barnea. Then they have Normal Christianity, Rules for a Happy Marriage, Charity, now one to him, and then Sherathon 2024, Sherathon 2024 Sunday morning, February the 25th, 2024, Sherathon 2024 Sunday morning, February the 25th, 2024, Sherathon 2024 Sunday morning, February the 25th, 2024. All right. So they're a new broadcaster. So I'm just, the whole thing is kind of interesting to me. And so you should look it up. That's Anchor, A N C H O R, Baptist Church, Anchor Baptist Church. And you should look it up. And I, I'm going to listen to them. If you listen to them, just, it's not about criticizing. It's not about and whether you agree or disagree. It's not even about any of that. It's about they're presenting this thing that I am somewhat new to. And it raises lots of theological questions that we can then, we can set them aside. They're, they present it and then we take it and then we can run with it and ask questions about regulative normative, money, this, that, what's this, what's that and all those kinds of things, and hopefully benefit from it. So I was curious about this. I still need to listen to the rest of it. There's about 14 minutes to go. So I don't know if I'll do, do a part three, but I would love to get your thoughts and, and your feedback on all of this. And newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. It, it doesn't necessarily give me any <laughs> help with my situation, but it is curious or it is interesting to just, and I'm curious to see, well, how others, what they, what they do in this area. So you can tell me what you think. All right, there you go. We'll end this uh, late night broadcast.
I wanted, I wanted to finish it, but we won't. We'll end with part two, and if someone wants the rest, we'll, we'll do a part three. But please go listen. Please go download. Please go stream, all right, because that is important to do for them. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night, and God bless.